0: Hola y bienvenidos a la Deuce's Wild Daily Hustle Special Super Bowl Preview. Soy Enrique Barron, is el presidente de mejor cerveza. No abate por No Filter Network. Will the Thrill, not with us today. Miguelito San dieguito not with us today. Hunter Pants, not with us today. But... In all their spirits, we salute them in each and every one of you, as well as the 49ers. Yes, 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 yes! Woo! Remember this, folks? When we are juiceful, we are useful, and when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. Welcome to Day 11 of the No Filter Network Daily Hustle 22-Day Challenge, if you have not been following along with the challenge well i can't help you if you have this flippy we necklace here i'll get closer to the camera yep the smiling double birdman is within grasp and we are halfway home so without further ado let's get to our title sponsor bet online the number one Online gambling destination. Go to Bet Online to get all the latest scores, odds, news, lines, and updates about the Super Bowl or whatever else you may want to lay your action on. The NBA is in full swing, the NHL is in full swing, and Bet Online is there for all of your gambling needs and also let's not forget about our proud partners at kt tape you see the qr code in the upper right hand corner my left hand corner hit that for all the latest deals and then lastly here try verge hold on a second dude i got empties like a bunch of man, i don't want empties i need a full one hold tight Here's my goodies. Okay, so this is a combination of lemon, ginger, and cannabis. See the bag here. My guy Jory has taken really good care of us, and so as we do each and every single morning on the Deuces' Wild Daily Hustle. Ooh, it's sprayed up. We salute him. Mm. Very soothing on the throat. I feel like my voice, by the way, just started to come back. And I I realize I haven't been on a ton Uh, lately. I guess we did the show uh, in Arizona with Houston Street and Will Clark on Tuesday. But then after that, did another show on, I want to say it was Friday, which was No, it was Thursday. And then we ended up going to the Phoenix Open, did a little recap of that. What an electric atmosphere it is out there in North Scottsdale. If you haven't been, you got to fucking go. Apparently yesterday, they shut off all alcohol sales at the Open, seeing that everybody was too blitzed. Well, you get around the sixteenth, and it's an atmosphere unlike anything else. It's actually only gotten better. Back in the day, it was wild, and if you guys can remember, Tiger Woods and the hole in One and everything, and now, ironically, it's just as fucking wild and maybe even more because you have the tent, so they've gone corporate and being totally transparent that's how and why i was there i was with jay mckee and he has a box that his company i imagine paid a boatload of money for right there where the golfers tee off on 16 but just because they're surrounded by all the corporate people it's the grandstands at the end that set the tone and the mood for what the phoenix open is going to be like And what that hole is going to be like. And so everybody else, even all the suits, they get involved with the cheering and the booing and everything else. It's awesome because they'll step up to the tee box. And so, for example, it was uh, Ricky Fowler yesterday. He got up there and he's not having a great tournament, but he gets up there and, you have the guys with the, the quiet signs, whatever. And Ricky Fowler just goes like this, right? Just raises the roof to the crowd, gets them all fired up, boom. Sticks it, knocks in the eagle putt or the birdie putt. Crowd goes absolutely crazy. Well, when you the ball goes on the green and then rolls off for whatever reason, or if it just doesn't hit the green, it goes in the bunker, the crowd And they're all positive and they're going to cheer everybody up until the point the ball's not on the green. And then they fucking boo. I could get it off of it. That would be if I was a golfer and I don't even care what I like. Obviously, I'd like to make birdie or, you know, or even knock one in. But at the same time, I think I would appreciate the booing. It would almost make you laugh in that scenario. So, anyhow, I went on. I did a show. Had no idea, but the audio sucked ass. So we had to make a few adjustments and uh, ended up deleting that show. But I'm back. I am in Lake Tahoe. It is Super Bowl Sunday. The 49ers and the Chiefs, 3.30 p.m. from Las Vegas today. Okay, the Daily Hustle Day 11 Challenge. Do a push-up for every point the 49ers score yes push-up points so if you've ever watched notre dame and their leprechaun mascot they will do a push-up he will do a push-up every time notre dame scores a point the student section has even taken it so far to hoist a plethora of other fellow students into the air to do push-ups themselves benefits of push-ups include upper body strength release endorphins better mood and escalated confidence on that note the day 11 challenge do a push up for every Niners point. For instance, when they score a touchdown and have seven points, do seven push ups. So I told Biscuit this this morning, and he goes, Yeah, that's easy. I said, Okay, well, when they score another touchdown and have 14 points, you do 14 push ups. If they kick a field goal to make it 17 points, do 17 push ups. When they score their fifth touchdown and have 35 points, do 35 push-ups. Yes, whatever the number is, after every time they score is what we are going to do. I realize most of us are going to be at some sort of party and won't want to embarrass ourselves. But quit being a little bitch and drop down immediately after every 49er score. When questioned what you are doing, just tell them. I'm chasing Flippy. That's it. Okay, top stories. Taylor Swift has landed in LA. I'm not kidding. I pulled this up this morning. The fact that this was at the top of the list, it's comical, but you know what? It's the most popular thing going. People want to know this We're Taylor Swift aware about. So Taylor Swift's plane touched Los Angeles on Saturday after the Pop Megastar wrapped up her show in Tokyo putting her in position to attend Sunday's Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Multiple news outlets reported she's expected to be on hand and cheer her boyfriend, Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. Swift finished the Japan leg of her heiress tour with a sold-out concert in Tokyo thanks to favorable time zone changes. Appears to have made it back to the U.S. in plenty of time for the game. It was unclear whether she would continue on to Las Vegas on Saturday or stay the night in Los Angeles where she has a home and make the one-hour flight to Las Vegas on Sunday morning. Okay, so this is actually where things get interesting because the next article says, will Taylor Swift be able to park a private jet for Super Bowl? The Vegas airports are full. The FAA is regulating the number of private jets They can park at the Las Vegas area airport during the Super Bowl weekend. And the the big question is, did Taylor make plans in advance? I'm guessing she did. I might be wrong, but as they were making the run towards the Super Bowl and Taylor was trying to figure out, I'm sure, internally, if she would be able to make it, she probably – went about making those arrangements and it's not only not only obviously landing the jet there but accommodations in the las vegas area which fill up pretty quickly especially when it comes to all of the top end shit so okay it says taylor swift needs to get from tokyo to las vegas As we had chances are she'll be using a private jet to get from japan's capital where she performing saturday night to sin city to watch boyfriend travis Kelsey playing against the 49ers in Super Bowl 58 on Sunday afternoon. The pop star certainly won't be the only person using that mode of transportation to get to an event that attracts people of great importance, fame, and wealth. So where are all the planes going to park? Hopefully Swift or whomever makes such arrangements for her thought of that well in advance because Vegas is completely booked when it comes to parking spots for private jets, a federal aviation Administration said in a statement that it expects 3,500 more takeoffs and landings than usual at local airports, including Harry Reid International, Henderson Executive, North Las Vegas, and Boulder City. This weekend, with about 500 aircraft being parked at those locations. The math there would seem to indicate a bit of supply and demand issue. This is the first Super Bowl In Las Vegas, Joe Rochelle said, a spokesperson for Clark County Department of Aviation told The Times on Thursday, you would expect demand to be high, and it has been high all weekend. People want to be here, whether or not they're going to the game. I think people just want to be in the city to be around the activity. FAA has a slot reservation system in place for parking and airspace at those airports from February 6th to 13th to help regulate the anticipated high volume of air traffic. Reservations for parking planes at the airports are handled by fixed base operators. Clark County serves as a fixed base operator for the Henderson and North Las Vegas airports. Two private companies, Signature Aviation, that's the one I've flown out of, Atlantic Aviation is the other one. They handle those operations for Harry Reid International. A statement on Signature's website says that parking at that airport has reached capacity for the duration of the Super Bowl event. And there's an extensive waiting list for cancellations. It represented for the Atlantic till the Times on Thursday. That its slots have been full for weeks now. Well, here's the big question. Because who really gives a shit if she could park there or not? Right? I mean, if she's coming from Los Angeles or anywhere in Southern California, that's a 40-minute flight? Back the other way, so they can just go back and park. You never pilot. I don't think this is a really big issue. As a matter of fact, the fact that this was at the top of my Apple newsfeed is awesome. Okay, the other one we need to talk about this morning Super Bowl commercials. How much is a Super Bowl ad going to cost you for 30 seconds of airtime? The answer is. Seven fucking million large. Ah, oh, damn. Okay, Super Bowl commercials are a big business with brands shelling out millions of dollars for the right to get their products out in front of 100 million-plus viewers who tune into NFL's championship game every year. The prices, which this goes all the way back to the 60s in Super Bowl One. Started at thirty-seven thousand dollars, and here is the evolution of it. Super Bowl I, thirty-seven thousand. Let's let's just increase. Let's go to like Super Bowl ten, a hundred and ten thousand. Super Bowl 20, 500 In fifty thousand, that was in nineteen eighty-six. Super Bowl 30, which would have been in 1996, 1 million. Seems like a pretty good deal now, right? Let's go to 2006, 2.5 million. Right on to 2016, 4.5 million. And then now, in 2024, $7 million. Where does that stand compared to last year, you ask? Well, it's the exact same amount. Huh. I wonder. I mean, you take into effect, like the, the fact, the inflation and everything else. And I just, uh, I don't see how you can get a return. I just, uh, I for 30 seconds. I doubt it. I mean, it's just branding, right? You take the loss. You try to be the loss leader in that. And simply marketing, you hope you you hit it. You hope you can make people laugh. You hope it's one of those ones that will continue to live on and they'll be talking about on Good Morning America tomorrow. But that is a heavy, heavy, heavy investment for any company out there. All right. Uh, Vegas, by the way, obviously hoping to hit the jackpot with this Super Bowl. It says come this Sunday for the first time ever, the big game will be in Sin City with one of the biggest shows on earth down in this backyard. The city of spectacle and excess is hoping to hit a big Las Vegas says it expects a conservative economic impact of around $600 million and is looking to cement itself into the rotation for future Super Bowls and other major sports event scores of local businesses say they added foot traffic and attention they've been getting this week and weekend could ultimately spill over well beyond game day quote what really matters to us is that when the spotlight is on we perform steve hill chief executive officer of the president of las vegas convention and visitors authority and there is no bigger spotlight than the super bowl las vegas joined the short list of Cities who have hosted the Super Bowl represents the culmination of more than a decade's worth of efforts in billions of dollars to become a destination for sports. In addition to gambling, food, and entertainment, certainly a pinnacle, Hill said. You only get one chance to do the first Super Bowl in your city, and it could be a big boom for Vegas. Hill said, noting that the $600 million estimate could likely end up being closer to $800. 100 million it took years in a supreme court ruling to legalize sports betting for the national football league to view las vegas in a different light and super bowl 58 and all the athletes celebrities fans swifties and dollars that come with it are coming during a nice boom time for las vegas the leisure and hospitality centric city that was devastated by the onset of of the COVID pandemic, it was just absolutely slaughtered. We went there and played a baseball tournament, and I've never seen Vegas so empty in my entire life. Yeah, its unemployment rate rocketed to thirty four percent, but it has rebounded in recent months and notched gaming records and visitor levels. We're sold out. We have been for the last month. Paul Hobson, Joe Mandra at the Sahara Las Vegas Hotel Casino. Super Bowl is typically a very nice weekend for us, but it's really turned into a premier weekend, and it's bigger than just the weekend. I think more than anything, if you're Vegas, and I've gotten, I don't want to see mixed reports, but I heard, I don't know, whoever, some critic gave them a B so far on hosting it now. Think about the Super Bowl and all the events. Apparently, they've spread the wealth really well amongst the casinos, and you have to. Like, Vegas really, especially downtown, is not that big. The convention center, which I went to the broadcasting convention not all that long ago, it's really, really cool. I think I might be wrong on this, but they had Radio Row and and, and all their other stuff. There's so many different places that – you could set up actually why do i feel like it was mandalay bay uh anyway who cares but it's all about the fluidity and everything else well one of the huge issues and you're going to get this in just about any city you put the super bowl in is traffic it was apparently gridlock it has been all week but in vegas you kind of get used to that if it were me and I were going and we were very close to going and we had the whole thing lined up and we pulled the plug at the last minute for multiple reasons. I'm just fucking walking everywhere. I mean, what a great opportunity to be able to get your steps up. But right now, uh, needless to say, it's an absolute shit show out there. Uh, There's some people questioning whether or not the impact will be 600 million. They're saying on a normal uh, weekend. So last February, the city averaged 78.1% occupancy rate. And their current occupancy rate right now was 83.4%. So if you just go by that hotel measurement, like this one expert is doing here, uh, he's a professor of economics at Berry College in Mount Berry, Georgia, you could say that nah, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But, again, look, Allegiant Stadium, which is right on the highway there, right off the strip, is fucking cool. So, I just between the stadium, uh, the opportunity, I mean, once the broadcast starts and they really get into prime time, this is a huge win for Las Vegas. It's got to be. I, I can't see it any other way. So, um, next story we got here is an interesting one and it fits right in with the daily hustle deuces wild life optimization baseball podcast first and foremost it's about Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy becoming Super Bowl quarterbacks by playing baseball that's right Brock Purdy's high school baseball coach knew that he wouldn't be playing shortstop for long. Something about his lightning quick release and his ability to throw from almost any position just made him a natural fit for something else entirely. We've got to put him behind the plate. Damian Tippett used to say he might be our best catcher. Tippett was right about Purdy trying a different role. He was just wrong about the sport. The same release and mobility that might have been pretty a brilliant catcher, also helped turn him into the star quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Look, the correlations are real. I played against Tom Brady in high school. He was the best high school catcher that I saw, period. Not to mention the fact he hit absolute nukes from the left side. So... To see Tom Brady then make that transition or have the crossover play out where he ended up being, at least to this point, the greatest quarterback who's ever lived, it should be shocking when you talk about a Brock Purdy or a Patrick Mahomes. If you think about it, especially in the case of a middle infielder too, if you're a quarterback, and this is what makes Purdy so great, is that when he's rolling out, he had that one throw last week. He's coming here. Off balance, dime, sideline throw, corner, boom. What's well, the same thing as shortstop's doing? Ball up the middle. And you see a lot of that in Patrick Mahomes. The article goes on Patrick Mahomes played for Team USA. Patrick Mahomes was drafted pretty quit baseball after his sophomore year. But Mahomes kept going. And he even played two years at texas tech before he said fuck it i'm gonna go full-time for football now normally playing any other position in football other than quarterback i would recommend playing baseball and i don't think there's a question quarterback it's different number one you are protected immensely during the week when it comes to practice and everything else. You will take your shots on Saturdays and Sundays. But if there's one position in one sport that is the king of the kings, it's the fucking quarterback. I'd love to say it's the shortstop. I'd love to say it might be the catcher or the center fielder. It's just not. It doesn't matter. Derek Jeter made shortstop popular in our generation and i'm sure had kids everywhere chasing down wanting to be the shortstop of the new york yankees but it still does not compare to being the quarterback so i don't blame these guys if they are going to be these elite level nfl quarterbacks if you're not elite level and you don't have that chance to play in the nfl and be a star in the nfl Fuck no. Uh-uh. Wouldn't do it. That was funny because I had lunch here just recently with a couple of NFL guys. And both of them had played baseball. And all three of them had played baseball. One of them was by a good buddy of mine, KJ Costello, who went on to play at Stanford and then transferred to Mississippi State where he holds SEC records, like 600 passing yards, six touchdowns in his first game at Mississippi State. And, dude, the whole time, like, KJ played baseball. But as an elite quarterback, that's tough. You got to make a decision at some point. Now, he's done with football, and he's on with his life, and he's uh, getting into the financial world, and he's going to be just fine. But he even brought up the fact, he's like, man, I just wonder what would have happened had I stayed with baseball. So there's certainly crossover there. I would say you try to do two as long as you can, but ultimately you're going to have to pick, especially when you get to that professional level. The famous story that I always tell is when I saw Tom Brady at Brent Brendan's house. Now. The Brennans lived in Redwood City. We were all home during the winter holiday, I believe. And they were having a huge party, chinning, barbecue, kegs, the whole bit. Well, I see Tom, and I hadn't seen him in like three years. And I'm like, Tommy, what's up, man? And kind of hugs. And how you been and competing against him in football, and baseball, all the way through high school? I said, How's it going in Michigan? It's like, ah. Yeah. This going great. I got three snaps last year, but I think I'm in the running for the job next year. I'm like, okay, like, cool. I go, bro, I know you love football, but you got to play baseball. And I didn't say this and tell him this because he was shitty at football. No, I, I, at this point, I couldn't even tell you if he was good or not good just based on the fact that he'd only gotten three snaps but I didn't know how great of a baseball player he was in high school. I mean, so much so he got drafted by the Montreal Expos. And so at the time he was competing against Drew Henson, who was playing minor league baseball for the New York Yankees. And he goes, Bernsie, I'm going to win this job next year because Drew Henson's playing baseball. I'm all in on football. And that's what it takes. When you get to that level, you got to be there. You can't be off in the spring and in the summer playing fucking baseball when you're expected to lead Michigan to a national championship type bowl game. Right? You've got to be all in with it. That's where the work gets done. That's where you develop the relationships with the receivers, the coaches, everything else. And sure enough, Tom Brady wins a job, goes on, ends up getting drafted. And the rest is history. So it is fun to see the crossover. Both Mahomes and Brock Purdy are huge advocates, as is Christian McCaffrey, playing multiple sports. I explained this to my wife the other day because Colton has been playing a lot of baseball and he's been on the ski mountain. And she's we have a baseball tournament next weekend. And she goes, yeah. She said, well, you, you got to try to get him to do this on Monday, this on Tuesday. This. I'm like, honey, I get it. I said, we're going to get our work in, and I'll get him ready. But understand, every day he's on the ski mountain is helping him in baseball. And every day he's playing baseball, it's helping him on the ski mountain. There's crossovers to just being an athlete. At some point, you're going to have a chance to get very specific about what it is, uh, you want to do and how it is that you want to train, fine. When you're dealing with kids, in my opinion, up to about 18, uh, uh-uh. have them play multiple sports. It certainly is the best thing for the longevity of an athlete. All right, uh, 10 novelty props that we got here, from the coin toss to the national anthem to a post-game proposal. These are just some of the ways to get in on the action on Sunday. Number one, the coin toss. You can bet on whether the coin lands on heads or tails or you can bet whether the Chiefs or 49ers will win the coin toss. Either way, your odds are exactly the same. No experience necessary. Historically, tails has a slight edge coming up 30 times over the 57 previous Super Bowls. It has also come up in seven of the last 10 Super Bowls, including the Chiefs victory last year. Number two, the national anthem length. Dude, I got duped on this. Holy shit, man. So a couple years ago, I think it was the Patriots, and it was. It was the Patriots and the Seahawks in Arizona. And I actually went to the Super Bowl. So... I had some friends at Fox that were on the field for the rehearsal of the national Anthem the day before, and we had them time it. And it timed out to something like two minutes and 14 seconds. Well, the OU on the national Anthem was two minutes in like seven seconds, and so in my opinion, this wasn't even going to be close. If they're doing two fourteen in a practice round, you gotta believe there's gonna be some more emphasis put onto the lyrics in the actual game. Wherever you oh say can right, you're gonna really get into it. And that's going to take longer, not shorter. So it was 214, 207 was the OU. Absolutely hammered the over. Well, apparently, I guess, because they had to time it with the aircrafts going above the stadium, at the last minute they gave whoever was singing the national anthem, the instructions that, look, this National Anthem needs to be like 202 on the dot. So whoever was singing it in their normal way would have been, say, 214 to 220, speeds it up, gets it done in like a minute 58. It was like, oh, fuck. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. All right. National Anthem length is one. I just, just be wary of it. I don't even think the singers know. All right, number three. Will any scoring drive be shorter than the national anthem? I'd say yes on that. Yep. Yes is minus 180. This one is pretty straightforward. If it takes about 130 to get through national anthem, do you think the Niners and Chiefs can put together a scoring drive that's quicker than that? Personally, I do. Yeah. I think that definitely could happen. All right. Here we go. The commercial to play. First, BMW or Coors Light says, I'm going with my favorite here, Coors Light. Coors will want fans to grab a cold one right away. No one is rushing out at halftime to buy a new Beamer. And if they are, don't tell Usher. It says, BMW is minus 110 in this, Coors Light minus 130. Will a player record an octopus, huh? This does not mean a literal octopus. though. That's probably a bet somewhere, too. An octopus is when a player scores a touchdown and follows it up with an ensuing two-point conversion. This pays plus money for a reason. First of all, two-point conversions are attempted less than 10% of the time after a score. Second, the two-point conversions are only successful about 50% of the time. Now, adding the odds that the same player that scores a touchdown and the conversion, and you can see why... No is minus 1,400. The yes is plus 1,200. That might be fun just to lay some action on that. All right, the jersey of the first TD score. This is a super fun one. Will the jersey number of the player who scores the first TD be over or under 22.5? I'm taking the over. Christian McCaffrey at 23. Travis Kelsey's 87. George Kittle, 85, Christian McCaffrey 23. If you think they're going to score first, you want the over. But if you think it's going to be Isaiah Pacheco, Rashid Rice, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Brock Purdy, or Mahomes to punch it in themselves, you'll want the under. I really like the over. Yeah, the over is minus 115 here. Another option, if you're really feeling bullish about the Travis Kelsey. Try SI Sportsbook Swift Start. It pays plus 1400 if Kelsey scores a TD on the Chiefs' first offensive drive. Ooh, a swift start. How clever. How many times will Taylor Swift be showing on TV? Speaking of Swift, well, I do have much to say here, except I don't know why the over isn't more juice. The OU on Swift sightings, four and a half. No fucking way that goes under. Zero shit. I don't care. Even if the 49ers are donkey stomping the Chiefs and the game's a blowout, that's more reason to go to Swift. And, of course, if the Chiefs are lighting it up, they're going to be showing her every two minutes. Going crazy in her $3 million suite with all her cronies. That's the absolute lock job bet of the Super Bowl. Thousand percent. Usher's first number eight here. Usher's first song in halftime. I'm going over all the prop bets. At least the uh the best ones. If Usher doesn't start with, yeah, I'm going to be bummed, but here are the options. My way is plus 100. OMG is plus 145. Yeah, plus 430. DJ got us falling in love plus 850. Love in this club plus 1,200. You got it bad plus 1,800. You remind me plus 1,800. Burn plus 2,100. Confessions plus 2,300. You make me want it plus 2,300. I got to believe you start, and I don't know what you know, level of popularity with Usher's songs, but You start with at least, you don't have to start with number one. You don't have to start with the most popular song that Usher has. But it's got to be one or two. If you want to do one, go for it. Fine. But if not, you 1,000% go with number two. You don't go to, like, number four or five, right? Immediately, when he comes on, you want people to recognize, oh, yeah, shit, okay, I know who's playing, I've heard that song, and then get everybody excited. All right, number nine, the Gatorade bath. When the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year, Gatorade shower was purple, and a paid backers 7-1. to one. Orange has been the most used five times, while green has not hit since 2001. I don't know. Does anybody drink green anymore? I feel like it's more of a purple-orange-red thing. Yeah, they are the favorites, too. Plus 225 for purple plus 300 for the orange, plus 350 for red. And eh, let's see plus 300 for the yellow green. Clear. Let's go clear. Plus 1000. You got to go clear. I mean you got to you got to pick one that you know you're going to get great 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 payout on. All right, number 10. It says <laughs> proposal bet All eyes will be on Travis and Taylor. But anyone could pop the question. In addition to these novelty props, check out the Super Bowl 58 theme props at SI Sportsbook. All right, look. I'm saying yes. I'm not sure, though, it'll be captured on TV. I mean, I guess it would be if it's a player or a coach. You'd like to think it would. But right after winning the Super Bowl, I mean, why not? Go ahead and ask the question. Yes, just plus 210. Actually, I'd take that back. I'd go no. Minus 190. And Why would you ever make a decision like that in the middle of a fucking a crazy, cool, emotional moment that should be independent of anything else but that moment? And now you want to bring love and marriage into this shit? Like, hey, I get it. Happily married, love my wife. But when I went to the Super Bowl and I would love to share that experience with her at the end, but I don't need any distractions. I mean, is not winning the Super Bowl big enough? Come on. ah, That's a slam dunk no. And when it comes to Travis and Taylor, it's a million percent fucking no it will not happen both of them just look I, they're so far in the limelight that they obviously and they're okay with it when they're there but take them off screen and they're to the point now where they're just not interested i it's, they don't want the line everything they do their wedding will be private the proposal will be private I all of it now. If it that's if it even happens, who knows? So, okay, moving on. Let's see. I got a few more minutes. Uh, the fire alarm controversy. This was a big one. You had the 49ers very unhappy after the early morning fire alarm and the latest example of the mischief before NFL games. So they went over the example uh, that this has happened before. I mean, this isn't a coincidence. It says, On Thursday, 49ers players were awoken by a 6 a.m. fire alarm at the team hotel, ripping them from their sleep and souring a few moods. George Kittle, who said he was awoken s- seven minutes before his alarm was set to go off. Well, that's only seven minutes. All-pro teammates Christian McCaffrey and Nick Bosa were the most crotchety about the disruption. It had to be them, Kittle said, when asked about it later in the day. You don't want... To wake the sleepy bear, but Christian was not too happy. I like that. Anything to piss off CMC before this game. I'm in on. So you take the alarm, and you back that up with the fact that they put them on that shit field at UNLV in shit facilities, and the Niners. It feels like the deck is stacked against them. But whoever is doing this must realize whether it's secretly the NFL wanting the Chiefs to win or it's Chiefs fans. I don't know. I like people in Kansas City are just too nice. I I don't buy that. I mean, this is Philly. Yeah, totally different story. Chicago could be a different story, especially on the South side when it comes to the White Sox fans. But not here. Uh Uh-uh. This is that Kansas City fans are just good people. Well, if this is some kind of cue, I don't think these people have watched fucking Rocky. Because when the deck's stacked against everybody and you're put in these Rocky-type training atmospheres, which the 49ers somewhat have been, All it does is it gives them that edge, which is beautiful, which is exactly what you would want here going into the Super Bowl. I don't want all the fancy accommodation. Although Patrick Mahomes, and I spoke about this on the last Daily Hustle, he's actually offered all of his teammates to host a trip on him if they won the Super Bowl. Where? Las Vegas. He'll bring them all back to Vegas. They can all party. They can all do their thing. But he definitely wanted them staying in. So we'll see how well-rested these guys are. Did These guys don't go out like they used to. Whole different ballgame now compared to what it was. Okay, the next article i saw which you know fighting father son really appreciate this ed mccaffrey says he's a proud parent watching his son christian play for the 49ers in the super bowl quote i'm just so happy for him it's been a dream his whole life the former 49ers wide receiver tells people about his son it's a pretty incredible feeling ed mccaffrey is looking forward to the super bowl sunday the former 49ers wide receiver says he's so happy for his son christian who followed his dad's footsteps and is a star running back for the 49ers for making the Super Bowl. It feels incredible. I'm so happy for him. The fact that he's in a Super Bowl is a pretty incredible feeling for us. And as a father, I love him. I support him. McCaffrey, 55. So that's it, huh? He's only 55. He tells people, as any parent will probably tell you, They just want their child to be happy. They want them to pursue their dreams and love life. Despite his love for football, McCaffrey and his wife, Lisa, decided to let their four sons choose the sports they want to play. Christian chose to play football, and he did it when he was seven years old and never looked back, says McCaffrey, about the 27-year-old NFL star. He fell in love with it. I think the first year he ever played, he's committed a good portion of his life to playing the game. Looking at his Sunday's game, McCaffrey continues. He's prepared his whole life to get ready for this play game. He knows it, he knows it's very difficult. You get one chance to play the game, so there's no guarantee you're going to win or lose. But you can at least determine how you prepare for the game. So he will be prepared, win, lose, or draw. Of course, the Super Bowl appearance is even more special for McCaffrey because Christian is playing for the 49ers. The fact that it's happening on the 49ers, a team that I was blessed to play for back in 1994 and won a Super Bowl with is pretty amazing. And the fact that he's played for Kyle Shanahan, the son of my Shanahan, who was Ed McCaffrey's coach when the Niners won the Super Bowl, is pretty cool as well. All right, Tara sent me something that I found Interesting. So you have a connection. Here's the connections between the 1998 Super Bowl winning Broncos and the 49ers squad Mike Shanahan, head coach, Kyle Shanahan, head coach, Ed McCaffrey, wide receiver, Christian McCaffrey, running back, Brian Greasy, quarterback, Brian Greasy, QB coach, Anthony Lynn, running back, Anthony Lynn assistant head coach running backs coach so a lot of parallels between that Broncos team a lot of parallels between that 94 Niners team as well it says I love how determined and disciplined he is Ed McCaffrey who also enjoys playing chess with his son and listening to him play the piano is this not the coolest kid ever like ever he's one of the baddest human beings ever who's ever walked the face of the earth I think he's the best football player to ever play I know a lot of you football purists are like, "What are you talking about, Burns? What about Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice, Tom Brady, Joe Montana?" That's fine. I'm talking all-around football player, the best all-around football player. If you had to have one guy, run, catch, throw, tackle—I mean, that's what makes a football player, right? It's Christian Fucking McCaffrey. I've never seen anyone better. Never. The fact that he's been this and fantasy for however many years too. I mean, that should say enough. He scores a touchdown every game. Like this isn't a high school. You're not supposed to score a touchdown whenever you fucking want. He does every single game. He scores a fucking touchdown. He's that good. Uh, that article in People Magazine says so much of a little bit of a puff piece. Um. Huh. They have a whole thing here about how Patrick Mahomes could become the greatest ever. Yeah. I get it. Could he? Of course. It's possible. And they're saying, you know, look, there will never be another Tom Brady. At least that's what we thought when it came to believing there would be another Joe Montana, who came following the assertion that there would never be another Johnny Unitas all the way back through football's history. It says it was always. Faded that someone would eventually challenge Brady's mantle. But the fact that it's this quickly is a massive surprise. Now on the precipice of Super Bowl 58, we're staring down the fastest approaching reality that Patrick Mahomes might be on the verge of solidifying himself in the conversation already. Mahomes would earn his third Super Bowl ring with a win over the 49ers. It would take his record of three and one to in the Super Bowl. And his only loss comes at the hands of Brady and the Bucs in 2021. While he still might have less than half the number of rings that the GOAT does, there's a very definitive case to be made that he's on his way to the legend's status. Maybe. It says it's not a fair metric, but Super Bowl rings are ultimately how a quarterback legacy is evaluated when it's all said and done. Tom Brady, 22 years of full-time starter. Mahomes has six. With three rings in six years, Mahomes would be on pace to have eight Super Bowl rings. If we assume he's able to keep up the same rate of championships. When Tom Brady had finished his sixth season as a start for the Patriots, the team he had three rings to his name. He then had to wait a decade before he'd win number four at the age of 37. The idea Mahomes would be able to keep winning as he has is a very difficult to project, unlike Brady who got to grow alongside Bill Belichick for the majority of his career. Mahomes will surely have to adapt to Andy Reid retiring before his playing days are over. This could greatly disrupt his chance for winning unless Kansas City has an incredible succession in plan. Yeah. Look, I I think there is great benefit in playing for one coach. The continuity, a lot of it has to do with the coordinator, though. So, Who's calling the plays and how you're communicating with that person is gigantic, at least when it comes to the statistics and everything else. Look, the Kansas City Chiefs were underdogs other than the Miami game. They were underdogs in the Buffalo game. They were underdogs in the Baltimore game. They're underdogs here today. That's hard to keep fucking winning as underdogs. So as great as Mahomes is, and he is great. Are the Chiefs going to be this good for this long? Nah, just. I don't see it. It's not like it's just no more destination to play. I mean, Kansas City's Kansas City. It's nice. It's cool. I would not want to play for the Chiefs. But at the same time, I'm not so, I, if I have a choice, I'm not flocking to Kansas City. All right, it says, it's here where Mahomes blows Brady out of the water. I know it's a bit of unfair comparison considering how much the league has emphasized passing in recent years, but it's a bit of a problem of Brady's own making since making the quarterback friendly rules today were a direct effect of Brady's play if we extrapolate out mahomes to brady's career length here's what we get passing yards brady 89,000 mahomes 99,000 passing tds brady 649 mahomes 764 interceptions brady 212 mahomes 220 completion percentage brady 64% mahomes 66 total win record brady 251 and 82, and Mahomes 258 and 75. Individual awards, Pro Bowl Burst, Brady 15, Mahomes 21. All-pro teams, Brady 6, Mahomes 10. MVP, Brady 3, Mahomes 7. Offensive Player of the Year, Brady 2, Mahomes 3. Eastern Bowl MVP, Brady 5, Mahomes 7. All right, look, we're trying to project out I get it. What Mahomes has done in a very short period of time certainly uh, will put his name into the conversation of greatest quarterbacks. I think if a quarterback wins two Super Bowls, you got to put him in the conversation. Now, three for sure. uh, You can't walk away from that at all. I do think the longevity is the big thing here. How long can he do it? Okay. Lastly, before we get rolling. Ohio State hires UCLA's Chip Kelly to replace Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. So UCLA coach Chip Kelly is leaving the Bruins in his position of head coach to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. My three-word reaction is pretty simple. What the fuck? How and why are you going to turn your back on a program that you have built on players that you have recruited to take an offensive coordinator position? That's bullshit. There's certain things through the course of the years that actually endeared me to Chip Kelly. I do think that he had a way of communicating with his players he had an offense that obviously if you go back to his Oregon days was extremely successful I think it takes the right personnel to be put in place for that but ultimately my question is what kind of loyalty is there when you're the head coach of a major institution living in Los Angeles? I mean, fucking Westwood, Bel Air, Brentwood. It's all right there. I mean, Malibu, if he wants, making millions of dollars a year, and you're going to leave that? To go to fucking butt fuck Ohio, what is wrong with you? Am I the only one that just doesn't get this? There's no amount of money that you could pay me to make that move. There's no chance. I don't care if they ten x my salary. Fuck off. All due respect to Ohio. Obviously, really nice people up there. This isn't about Ohio. This is about me, my loyalty to my team, my loyalty to my school, my loyalty to my players that I recruited. This is about me seeing something through. UCLA had a chance to shit can this guy several different times. They stuck with him. Well, instead, he's the one that's going to walk away for a position? That's a fucking downgrade? Chip, I just don't get it. I don't. And maybe there's way more to this story that I don't know and I'm sure there probably is, but on the surface, it makes zero fucking sense. On that note, go Bruins. That's a hell of a job. That's a hell of a facility that they have. I hope they get it right. Any college football coach in America should want this UCLA job. Playing in the Rose Bowl can be tough, especially when you're putting 35,000 people in a 90,000-seat stadium. The facilities on campus, where you are every day, badass. The fact you're going to the Big Ten, huge push in revenues, badass. Where you want to be. But, man... I think this UCLA job, I had an opportunity to tour the facilities a couple years ago thanks to my guy, Josh Reynolds, Dude, sick. It doesn't get much better. And I know you tell me Oregon was like the first to do it. And they all have these new great facilities. I saw Tennessee's. Tennessee's amazing. Amazing. Bigger than UCLA's. Obviously, they're dealing with more space. But per capita, square footage, everything else. The fact that it's right in the middle of Westwood, the practice facilities, uh, weight room, which the doors, like the garage doors that open up to the practice fields, it's just fucking awesome. There's no other way to put it. Awesome. So, whoever ends up getting that UCLA job <laughs> will say thank you very much, Chip. Ah, anyway. All right. Hey, everyone have a fantastic Super Bowl Sunday. Obviously, I had a lot to get off my chest here today. Go Niners. And uh, we'll be back with the Daily Hustle tomorrow morning to wrap up and recap Super Bowl. I'm going to leave you guys with a Bill Walsh quote that I saw this morning that prompted me to send out to a couple of different text chains that I got buddies on quote, I directed our focus less to the prize of victory than to the process of improving obsessing perhaps about the quality of our execution and the content of our thinking. That is our actions and attitude. I knew if I did that winning, would take care of itself. Go Niners, baby! See ya!